Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you, food bloggers who are seeking value for your blogs and for your lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Tiffany Hahn from TiffanyHahn.com, and we will be discussing how taking risks creates growth. Tiffany Hahn is a life coach who teaches smart, driven women how to raise their hands and say yes to all the things they want to do, be, and say without compromising their standards or their sanity. As the host of the Raise Your Hand, Say Yes podcast, Tiffany is most interested in telling the truth about a life of chasing your dreams, tangles, and all. She's been featured by Inc. Inc.com, Salon.com, and Flow Magazine, and has delivered keynotes both domestically and abroad. With a penchant for keeping it real, her work focuses on how women can stop overperforming for the sake of life, the life that somebody else dictates for them, and instead start saying yes to themselves. Throughout her life, Tiffany has said yes to smart things, big things, and seemingly impossible things. And along the way, she's learned that the road to a fulfilled life that feels like freedom is paved with bold moves and made from deep within our discomfort zones, a vast understanding of ourselves and a communion with our core values. I am super excited to chat with you today, Tiffany. But before we do that, give us a quick fun fact about yourself. Okay. So thank you. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Fun fact is I have five and a half year old twins. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So life is not boring. But I think also like the the funner part on that, when I look at the things I've done in my career and my business is that most of the growth that I've had has happened since they were born, which I, I always sometimes I people like I'll have friends be like, well, I want to have kids, but I'm afraid that I've got still have things I want to do in my business. And, and my whole thing is like, well, or you could just do it all concurrently, which is what I've done. So I started my podcast in 2014 and I've been podcasting weekly since then, which is crazy to think about. But when my girls were just about six months old. Oh my old. gosh. So you just like dove into it all. You're like, bring it all on. <laughs> I mean, looking back, that's what it looks like, right? I think at the time it wasn't it didn't feel like that. It just felt like, oh, this is an idea I have. Let's see where it goes. But yes, looking back, I find it really remarkable that all of this has Seriously. occurred. Yeah, simultaneously. That's amazing. And mm-hmm. five-year-old twins, you are on your toes all the time. That is, <laughs> that's a lot to have yeah. two of them. <laughs> yeah, and they're great. And I love, like, it's so fun. It's non 
job. And part of part, one of my goals right now is because they just started kindergarten. So one of my current goals in my life and my work and all of it is just to find like a little bit of headspace. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm like going full yes. speed. Because with kids, it is full yeah. speed all the time. Yeah. And also with having your own business and wanting to do things creatively, like it's, you never get to the end of your to-do list because even if you get through your tasks for the day, there's always something new to try, a new app, a new strategy, a new thing you want to write about, a new thing you want to share. And, and so it's, I think of my goal is always like, how can I be at peace with my day rather than feeling like I need to get to the end of Oh, so list. true. I mean, there's always like, I have a list of articles I could be reading and books I should be listening to. And so you do kind of have to just find that moment of peace where I have to put it all away, set everything down and just find that peace. Yes. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I love it. Well, let's get on to our topic, which is how taking risks creates growth. I think this is a really relevant topic for food bloggers because <laughs> there's so much to do, as we just said. And I think taking risks is really important. It's really scary but really important. So Tiffany, first I wanted to just say that I attended your session, well, both sessions this year at Tastemaker Conference and last year, 2018 and 2019. Last year, I was blown away by your insight. You made a definite impact in my business. I think I shared my branding video with you that I made based solely on your talk. I got really serious about defining my brand after that and it was a turning point for me in my business. And I know that I'm not the only one that is inspired by you. I know that you inspire and encourage so many other women to grow into who they're meant to be while not losing their sanity, like your bio stated. (laughs) So I'm excited to have this talk with you today about a handful of ways that we can do this. So I think it would be a good place to start by diving into taking creative risk. Tell us what that means and maybe how and why we should be doing this. Yeah. So I think for creative risk, I see a creative risk as being anything with an uncertain outcome. And so for some people that might look like saying something on Instagram or posting a photo that's different from what everybody else is doing or attending a conference or pitching a brand. You know, sometimes it's just hitting publish on a blog post or sending out a newsletter. And what I have found for myself in my business is that everything that I have is really paved on taking risks, trying different things, and then seeing what works and what doesn't and adjusting from there, right? To the point that now my my kind of business motto is like, I don't know, let's try it and see what happens. And so I think sometimes we look at like creative risk as like, okay, I need to take a risk. What's it going to be? And it feels very uh, dramatic and it feels like we're jumping. It feels very unsafe, mm-hmm. Right. It feels like we're jumping off a cliff. And I think that there's also a really predominant culture that we're hearing of like, if you're not risking, you're dying. (laughs) You know, this very like masculine driven way to think about things. And I like to think of it as a little bit more generous of like, hi, you probably have things that you know you need to be doing, but you're not doing it because you're uncertain or because there's fear or because you're not exactly sure what it could look like or how it's going to play out. And I really think that for most of us, like those are the things that are going to move us. And they don't have to be big, massive things, right? Like you mentioned something small, like 
maybe I should post this little story on Instagram or whatever. Like as food bloggers, I think we do tend to think like, oh, I have to create this huge series or, you know, we, we tend to think big scale. But we really can start with small things like sharing a story on social media. Um, what are some other things that we can do on a small scale that would be just steps into taking those creative risks? I always like to think of it like one thing I always challenge people and we can kind of adapt this to whatever it is that you, the listener, are experiencing right now is like often risk either comes in saying yes to something or saying no to something, which I know covers all bases. So that's me giving a general answer. But like, are there things on your that are kind of in your orbit that you really, really want to try? That you really want to say yes to, but you're not exactly sure how that's a really great thing to look at. And or like, what's not serving you? What are the things that you're saying yes to that are not lighting you up that are bringing you down that are not, you know, I, I like to think that everything I do in my business, I don't, I don't demand that I love every single aspect of everything I do for my business, because sometimes you just need to do admin and it's boring and you don't want to. But I also try to really look at it as like, when I'm finished doing something, do I feel better and more connected than when I started? And I let that be my kind of measure of success. So sometimes it's about just saying Mm -hmm. no to things, right? And it could be about saying no to something permanently or saying no to something for a time. I'm currently on day two of a two week Mm -hmm. social media break. So I literally deleted Instagram from my phone. I'm not checking DMs. I'm not on stories. And that feels really like, am I allowed (laughs) to do that? Because everybody, you have to be on all the time. But I also know that like, when I look at how much time I'm spending on that app and the things that I want to move forward, I'm not moving them forward with my current habits. So that's another thing that feels really risky in the way Mm. of not doing something rather than taking on more. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because we tend to think of like, yeah, what can I do instead of maybe what I should not be doing? And social media is a really good place to start with that, I think, for food bloggers, especially because we're on social media all the time. And we're posting new content and recycling old content and paying attention to Instagram stories and watching other people's Instagram stories. And it's like nonstop, right? If we let it be. So I think that's a really bold move to just take a step back. And honestly, I can say that I've never intentionally done that, but I probably should. But one thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned something about like, this just feels right. And I think to kind of go along with that, sometimes if we don't really know the next creative, bold move that we should be taking, whether it's to say yes or no to something, start by listening to your intuition and just like really getting in tune with what your intuition is telling you. If something feels good, I think you just said this, Tiffany, if if it feels good, if it's serving you, then yes, do more of that. If it's not, if it feels just icky inside, then hold off and say no to it. So I really like that. Like, digging into your inner self and really getting to know yourself. So what are some ways that we can do that? Like getting into our intuition and just being settled with ourselves enough to trust ourselves. Yeah. I find for myself and for everyone I work with that it really starts with like creating some space because again, if I am a person, Megan, if I'm not careful, I will spend all day staring at my computer with breaks to stare at my phone. And then I will stop staring at my computer and like get up and walk away. And as I'm walking to do whatever it is I'm doing next, I'm scrolling Instagram on my phone. And then I go to make dinner Mm -hmm. or clean the kitchen or do something. And I put on a podcast and then I, you know, and I think that 
technology is a really great tool. And for a lot of us, it's helped us build our businesses and connect and make like real true connections with people. But I also think that if we aren't careful, that it's very, very easy to fall prey to what it was designed to do, which was help Mm. businesses make money. And that, you know, technology is working from the creator's perspective when we spend all of our time on it, right? That we, our attention is the product. And so the first thing that I would really challenge everyone, especially for those of y'all that are hearing this and are like, I couldn't, (laughs) I would challenge everyone to, first of all, just like, if you have an iPhone, I did this on Monday yesterday, because I wanted to get some data for my social media break. And last week I spent 15 hours on Instagram. I I could tell you that and you could be like, yeah, but you're Mm -hmm. working. And so number one is like, let's get real honest because yes, Tiffany Hahn uses Instagram for her business, but I was not working for those 15 hours. I was maybe working for (laughs) one hour a day of that time. Right. So, so that's number one is like getting really honest with yourself. And then part of what happens is we have gotten so good at listening to everybody else and putting our faith in everybody else that our intuition, when we first start to seek it out, it's just the tiniest of whispers. And so what happens is that we don't think the whisper counts because all of the other voices are so loud. I like to think of this a lot with dealing with children, right? That often with children, when they're being really loud and rambunctious, like what I have found is that the most effective way to deal with that is for me to get really quiet. But if I'm trying to like scream over them, then really nobody wins. And so for that intuition, for starting to hear it and listen to it and pay attention to it, like I think the starting place is that you just create quiet. And then you learn to, I always tell people to listen to their whims because the things that I think we write off is like, oh, that's a silly idea. That's just a whim. I think that's actually, that's actually our intuition trying to get through. And then it becomes a practice. So the, what I'll challenge everyone to do is like, listen to your whims for like one day, give it one day. And again, for those of y'all that are like, but I couldn't possibly, maybe that's a sign, (laughs) you know, and, and I will also say like, this is my job. I've, I've done this with hundreds of women. So it's not just, this is not just a whim. Do it for one day because part of what needs to happen is that you need to go through the cycle of doing the thing that feels like a risk and then coming out the other side of it to see how did it feel? Did it work? And often we don't give ourselves a chance to collect that data or if it doesn't inherently quote unquote work right away, which most things don't quote unquote work right away. We decide that it's a failure and we want to go back to the old way. So you also like need to put it on simmer and give it some time so you can see what works and what doesn't. Wow. That was all such good stuff. I love how you framed that listening to our whims because I think we get so used to quieting them. Like you said, Tiffany, the world is so loud and there's so many voices that can drown out what we're thinking. And those whims, there's something to those. So as you're talking, I was almost thinking of like having just a little notebook or your notes app on your phone and just jotting those down as you go throughout a day or a week and just seeing what they are. Even if you try to quiet them and you're like, no, I don't think I can do that. Wouldn't that be cool? Just like if if someone has not been in tune with their intuition and they just like wrote down every whim they had to see what it was. I thought that was such a great little nugget. And then doing that, I think, is risk in itself because you want to like hush yep. yourself like no that doesn't mean anything that came to my mind just because of x 
but there could be something to that. And there probably is. It's probably trying to break out. And I loved your words, the tiniest of whispers. And then you said, we don't think the whisper counts because all of the other voices are so loud. And there's in food blogging, especially there's so many loud voices calling for our attention, whether it's social media or other bloggers or audience or, you know, our family trying to get our attention too. So I just absolutely love that. And that's such a good way, a good start, a place to start as far as like tapping into your intuition. And if you think about it, right, in terms of the bigger piece and, and I, I do this, like, I hate that I do this, but also I think it's really useful because this isn't just about like, Oh, follow your intuition and everything will be (laughs) unicorns and rainbows. Like I want y'all to know that for so many of you, your goal as a food blogger is to stand out from everybody else. This is how you do it, right? This is how you make your, how you differentiate yourself, how you get people's attention, but how you start to connect with the people that most need the content that you're spending Mm. so much time and energy creating that it's not just, oh, it feels good. So let's do more of this. Like this is how, when you stop paying attention to what everybody else is doing and start paying attention to that intuition, which I also think is like the, the spark of the divine that resides within all of us. When you let yourself be guided by that, like higher self, higher power, whatever you want to call it, that is where Mm -hmm. the magic happens. So this isn't just like a woo woo feel good thing. And I think it's so easy for us to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's talk brass tacks. And how do I hack Instagram? algorithm. And I have found over and over this to be a much more effective and sustainable way to run my business. I love that. So following your intuition isn't just going to make you feel great. I mean, yes, it probably will eventually, but the magic happens there. That's where you're going to find what makes you different from everybody else. And I have to point out that if you are not used to doing this, that maybe for a while you will find chaos because I'm always met with chaos when I really like try to dig into figuring out who I am or like figuring out a problem that I'm having or confronting myself with a truth. I don't know if you found this too, Tiffany, but chaos happens And that is something that I now expect. So I just wanted to put that out Mm -hmm. there. And I also think that, you know, it gets easier over time, but the noise of the world is never going to go away. Right. And there's always going to be one more thing, one more, one more article to read, one more. Oh, here's the new way of doing X, Y, Z. And I find for myself, like coming back to myself is a daily practice and it is a practice. It is something that I practice. It's something that I actively work on and that it gets easier, but it's never necessarily easy. And I think that another thing that I hear so often is people say, I just want to have it figured out. I just want to know. And it's like, for me, I've let go of the need to quote unquote, have it all figured out. And instead I just stay in the place of like, Am I, when I go to sleep at night, am I proud of what I did? Am I able to recognize that I did whatever best I could do in that day, which sometimes it's working really hard and sometimes it's giving myself the grace to walk away. Did I do that? And am I trusting that like I will continue to figure it out? And like that's sometimes the best thing I can give myself. I totally agree with that. And I just think there's there's never going to be a time for any of us when we're like, yes, nailed it. Life is perfect. No. That is unattainable. And it's 
only leads to discouragement and disappointment, I think. So getting to that place that you were talking about where you can just like at the end of the day, feel peace with what you accomplished and what you did and how you treated the people in your life, etc. I think that is really the important thing. What if I told you today? What if I was like, Megan, you know everything that there is to know ever in the whole world. Yawn, boring. You already know. You would be like, Oh, I know. Okay. Like I find that to be so discouraging. And so what I have given myself is like, instead of feeling like I need to, I don't ever want to get to the end. Right. Like I don't, I don't ever. And I, one thing I like to do for me, I go to the library a lot. And one thing I like to do whenever I go into the library is just take a minute to like, look around at all the books that are in the library and think like, I always think to myself, like, I'll never be able to read all of these books. And rather than that being like a personal failing, I'm like, that's so cool. I like that. That's such a good perspective. Like it is cool. The fact that you will never know everything or you'll never be 100% quote there is a really cool thing because you always have room to experience more and to grow more. So I love that. And I'm all about taking bold risks in my personal life and in my business life. But I just have to say that this road can easily lead to burnout. As you know, I have personally experienced burnout firsthand and not just once, but many times over the past few years. So can you talk to us about how we can boldly risk while making sure also that we are taking care of ourselves? Yeah. So I think that kind of jumping off of what we were just talking about, it's like, can you simultaneously take the bold risks, do the things that are like squarely in your discomfort zone while also practicing letting whatever you have now be enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's a practice. And like for, for a lot of us, that's the work. But I think about a couple of things. I think one, it's our jobs in this life are not just to do more. And it feels often like that is the job is more, 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 more. And you've probably heard people talk about embracing abundance and all of that. And I, I read this great book a few years ago called the soul of money by a woman named Lynn twist. And in the soul of money, she talks about how essentially money is energy. And rather than focusing on abundance of which there is no end, right? Like if we're always trying to be abundant, it's very, very easy to get into the mindset of, So if it's abundant, then there's always going to be more and you never feel like you get to the place of enough if you are always trying to be abundant. Um, And so instead for what she talks about is to focus on the idea of sufficiency, which is do I have enough today to do what I need, right? Like, is there enough today? Because that also keeps us from like being money hoarders, yeah. which, you know, is a great problem to have. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's like, I have too much money, I don't even spend Like, instead of that, it lets you look at money as a resource. And so I, and I think that this, it's such a nuanced conversation, which is why it's so much more fun to talk about on a podcast than like an yes. Instagram post. Um, because, okay, so we're like, okay, I'm going to embrace sufficiency. And then what happens for those of us who are overachievers is then we get to the place of like, but does that mean that 
I can't want mm. more. Right. And I see this a lot with the, like every, everyone should have an attitude of gratitude that often people will come to me and they'll be like, I want to grow my blog, for example, and I'll start talking to them about why that matters and why it's important. And then they'll say, don't get me wrong. I'm super grateful for everything I have. And I think sometimes the like backlash of the gratitude piece is that we think that being grateful for what we have doesn't mean that we can want more or doesn't mean that we can want things to be different. And I actually think that it's a both and right. Like I think for myself, when I look around my life, it's not that I want to change my life. It's not that I want things to be dramatically different. It's that I look at everything around me and say like, how could this feel even better? And it's the feeling that is that connection point, right? So for me, my goals aren't grow my following because I need more people in my audience. It's how could this feel better? Well, it could feel better if more people knew about my work so that I was able to impact more people because I know that what I'm talking about is really powerful and that the more people that are hearing it and doing the stuff, like I know that it can change people's lives. So that becomes then I'm having a goal of growth that's not actually about just growth. It's about a deeper connection and a greater impact. I think a lot of food bloggers can relate to that because a lot of us are so focused on numbers, whether it's numbers in your Instagram, you know, how many followers you have, Facebook followers. I mean, people get hung up on that. And then the social media channels actually kind of feed into that too. Like you need 10,000 followers if you want the swipe up feature. And so People get so focused on, well, yeah, this is my goal, but taking it like taking a step back, I think, and just seeing what your ultimate goal is and not being so super focused on it that you're looking too far into the future and instead just like truly being grateful for where you're at in this moment and just not letting the future dictate. Like I, I never have numbers as a goal for that reason because I've done it in the past and it has just like set me on this weird, like almost greedy, you know, like I'll do anything to get numbers. I will pay you to, you know, like it, it kind of yeah. um, detracts from what you're really doing here. You never get to the end, right? There's never an end. Exactly. It's like a never ending desire for more. And then once desire for yeah. more. Okay. So I've talked to food bloggers recently who, okay, first of all, I do not pay for Instagram followers. I know that some food bloggers do and that is totally fine for them, but they set out for like, all I want is to get to that 10,000 number mark so that I can get the swipe up feature. And then once they're there, guess what happens? They want more. They're like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. I want more. So they keep paying for it. And I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it that doesn't settle well with me because the whole point of yeah. Instagram, that is not the whole point of it. It's about engaging and getting people to hear your message and like truly building relationships with people. And that number game can totally derail us if we're not careful. Yeah. And I think that this, I mean, I think that that's a really specific example for kind of a bigger thing that happens, which is what we think and what we're taught, right? Because we are taught, and this goes back to the intuition piece. We are taught by like from a very young age, especially as women, that the answers are not located within ourselves, that the answers are located in a magazine, in a teacher, in a course, in a book, in some form of an elder, uh, whether that's a parent or a relative or, you know, a 
church figure or whatever. And um, so what happens is then we think, well, I will be successful when, and we think that, you know, get, being able to have the swipe up feature is going to be, I think is going to be the thing that brings us peace when we go to bed at night. And what I have found over and over again, both for myself and with people I work with is I've hit a lot of those milestones that we're all looking for. And, you know, it's fun for a moment, like it's awesome and I love it and I'm really proud of myself. And, you know, there's this point that you experience that and then you're like, huh, I'm everything still feels the same. And so what I am all about is like, how can we all be at peace with who we are today and then use that to energize us and propel us into the success that we're craving? I love that. That kind of goes back to something we touched on a little bit. It was just like being more present, like being in the moment and enjoying Mm now as opposed to wanting. So I think it's really important for food bloggers or any profession who has so many things on their plate constantly, you know, like using your intuition to really get to know yourself. And I loved what you said, Tiffany, about like we are taught to look for answers that are not within us. We are taught to rely on so many other sources for answers. But just, I think it's so important that we look inside of ourselves for all, like every answer that you need an answer, every question that you need an answer to can be found within you if you just search. So it's a matter of like, if you're not used to that, figuring out what that means for you and um, what does peace mean? Whether it's like going out into nature, it can be as simple as this, going and sitting outside and sitting, you know, just like looking, observing, observing nature, just figuring out how to get to that place where you can be more in touch with your intuition. I think sometimes part of my job is I think helping people get more into communion with themselves, right? I'm a coach and I always tell people like part of the discernment that comes with being creative and having your own business and all of that is figuring out when do you need outside support and then identifying what that kind of more resonant support is. And what I find more than anything that that helps with is the like resource hoarding that we can do, which is like, oh, I'm going to do this because one day I'm going to need to know how to be a YouTube star or whatever, um, where I don't really, I've dabbled in YouTube. I don't really use YouTube, but it's very easy for my brain, which is like the overachiever, good grade getter, extra credit, good student kind of go getter brain to be like, I want to learn that too. But then it's like, but is that going to bring me peace or is it just going to clutter up my brain? And one of my favorite things to do whenever I start to experience that is I will stop myself and be like, okay, so maybe that's a great opportunity, but is this information available? Will this be available later? like either via Google or some sort of a resource or something. And so I really try to ask myself, like, do I need this right now? And if I don't, then I'll be like, I'm going to give myself permission, especially in terms of like best practices for creative (laughs) businesses, because, oh my God, you could just hoard stuff forever and then spend all your time trying to organize all the resources that you're not using. That is so true because I get emails all the time. I'm I subscribe to different email lists and, you know, I get emails that pop into my inbox that like 
really look valuable. Like, hey, here's some productivity tips or all across the board, different topics, right? And so I like kind of flag it, flag this, open this article and like, I'll read that later. And I love your term resource hoarding because I am a total resource hoarder. I constantly have tabs open with the intention of going back and reading it. But then at the end of the day, if I didn't do it, I feel guilty. Like, oh, I didn't get to that. So I'll keep it for tomorrow. And then tomorrow happens. I never get to it. So it's almost like you need to like make time for it, you know, like. But no, 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 no. Don't make time because you don't have enough never time. Never enough you time. Need to- <laughs> Just, again, delete the tabs. Just close the tabs. You'll be fine. And when you first do it, you're like, oh, I can't do that because all of these articles, right? But like that's the the great irony is how many of us have seven tabs open on our computer Mm. right now that are like the time management tips that are going to save our lives. And here's the best time management tip. My thing is like if I, if it doesn't capture me quickly enough that I want to read it right away, it's great. And if, and I also trust that, if it is meant for me, it will come back. Oh, into I like life. that. I actually love that. Yeah. yeah. Set it free. Set those tabs free. And if they are meant to come back to you and have information burned into your brain, they will find you. Close I the love tabs. it. I'm going to go close a few tabs right now. Tiffany, thank you for inspiring me. You're oh, welcome. I love I'm that. <laughs> and, and also, I want to point out that like when we just d- talk about creative risk, that feels like a risk. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes the risk is being like, I'm just going to live in faith that I don't need this information. That's the risk sometimes. Living in faith. So like a lot of this comes down to just like being in tune with your intuition, you know, finding that self, that place inside of you that you can trust and living in faith that the things that come into your life are going to come into your life. The things that are meant to find you are going to find you and vice versa. That's like the underlying gist of everything we've talked about so far. Yep. I have a post-it. I have a lot of post-its on my computer, but one of them just says, know thyself, get get stuff done and love the mess. And like that, I think, is every day what I'm working so on. Simple, every single but day. so much truth there. So let's talk about burnout because unfortunately burnout happens probably more often than some of us would like to admit. We don't like to talk about it when it happens. It's like this thing that, you know, it's like kind of embarrassing. Like I got to the point where I burnt out again. And food blogging, as you know, Tiffany, is not a joke. It's no joke. And it requires just this level of intensity that can be just deeply exhausting and depleting. So when slash if we get to this point where we're burnt out How do we not only dig out of it, but how do we push past that to achieve success or be, you know, get to a better place? Before we get into that, I want to just make sure everybody understands the burnout is not just, oh, I'm feeling really burnt out. So I'm just going to take a Netflix binge. The World Health Organization just classified burnout as actually like something that is a diagnosable medical problem. And there are 12 psychological stages of burnout that that's like a progressive disorder, right? And the first one, the very first stage of burnout. So how do you know that you're dipping your tone burnout is I just pulled this up because I want to make sure I'm getting it right is the compulsion to prove oneself. Hmm, Interesting. Demonstrating excessively, it tends to like want to be the best, very enthusiastic to accept responsibility readily. So 
I would suspect that many of us, when we start an endeavor, we are already dipping our toe into Hmm. burnout. And I think that that's a really, really important thing to recognize is that often the personality traits that make us most likely to want to set out on our own, to be really be of great value and service to the world, to have a big impact, to make a big difference, and also to be really successful in our career, that often those things are also the things that make us really, really prone to burnout. So burnout, then we go through all of the 12 stages. That was stage one. And the 12th stage is total mental and physical collapse, which is like kind of a hard pill to swallow because it's like, oh my God, I think it's actually really useful because I personally don't want mental and physical collapse. So then it's like, okay, how do I backpedal? And I think the question you ask is how can we work to make sure that we don't hit that? And I think that in that is like one of the really hard things to accept about not living in burnout is that it's not about working hard to make sure that something doesn't happen. Like there is this like really uncomfortable, full of grace surrender that needs to happen, which is like, I think embracing our humanity and really focusing first and foremost on like our basic human needs, which most of us are not great at doing, you know, like how often do you floss your teeth? Things like that, that we don't think matter. We think that the SEO and the Instagram following, we think all of that matter. But like, I find that when I really look at like, what are my basic core human needs? Like, how am I feeding myself? Am I getting enough water? Am I moving my body? Then that can take it to really kind of a grassroots way of overcoming burnout that I think is really effective. I don't think that we can work our way out of burnout. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I have overcome burnout. I've been there, unfortunately. It's not easy. I mean, I had one experience a couple years ago where I thought I was done. I thought I was going to quit blogging. I didn't think I would ever be the same again. It took me a really, really long time to get over that stretch. And it was so gradual. But I mean, taking steps to avoid it is probably the smartest route to go. It's just, I don't think a lot of us do that. I think that it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and the constant work and this constant everything that we do get there. It's almost like you fringe on it, you know, like you kind of skirt around it a little bit. For me, I would start recognizing certain things about myself, like certain things about my physical body or my mental processes or whatever it was where I was like, okay, I need to, like you said, focus on those basic core human needs and get to a good place before I can move forward and maybe hold off blogging this week or whatever. But sleep, eating well, like those basic things are things that we need to be thinking about every day. Because if we don't, then the other can overtake us. And before we know it, like unknowingly, we're like, oh no, here I am. So it it takes intention. It's not something that's easy by any means. But I think with practice, for me anyway, with a lot of practice over the years, I've been able to recognize those kind of triggered symptoms, you know, like I need to back off daily. Yes. I mean, and it's a daily Daily, yes. Right. So I I teach a year long course. A lot of it is designed around a lot of the things we're talking about, which is like how to move forward on your creative ideas that you have, but do it in a way that is really sane, that kind of brings you life instead of detracts from it. And part of the reason it's a year is because there's not an easy answer. There's not a one size fits all formula that I can offer. And so many people are like, just tell me what to do. (laughs) 
And I'm always like, well, that depends. But also, like, how much sleep mm-hmm. are you getting at night? My whole take, too, is, like, if you have to forsake everything about your life in order to be successful, one, does, is it what you want? Two, is that actually success? And three, like, where's the end? Because we can just be on that path forever. And for for those of us who have our own businesses, like, if I'm not happy in my day-to-day life, then I could just go get a job. Yeah. Right? And like yeah. entrepreneurs, what's the quote? Like entrepreneurs are the only people who will work 100 hours to avoid working 40 hours in an office. Yeah. Like if you if you are working 100 hours a week or 80 hours a week or 60 hours a week and you're burning out, then go get a job in an office and shut your brain down at the end of the day. Right? Yeah. You know, I think sometimes too, sometimes we need to, We sometimes we have phases or chapters of needing to show up and like push through. But what I always tell people is like, make sure that's a deliberate choice you're making, that it's not being made for you. Because if the success of what you're doing is built on and dependent on you being there 80 hours a week, then it's not sustainable. And so what I would rather people do is make that more uncomfortable for the moment choice of being like, okay, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to slow down because often the thing that's killing us is not the work, but is the weight of our expectations. Wow. That's, that's really good. It's not the work. It's the weight of our expectations for ourselves, not any expectations that other people have for us. It's ourselves doing it to ourselves. It's that need to like prove ourselves and that I want my business to look like X immediately which means I'm going to skip 97 steps, which means that I'm going to trip and fall on my face, which means it's not actually going to work. <laughs> and so many people do that. They're like, they get so frustrated with the process and like don't understand that it's a process and that each step is necessary. And they're like, why aren't I here? I should be here by now. But yeah, I am wondering, Tiffany, if you have any tips for like making ourselves slow down on a daily basis and doing those self-care things, like making sure we get good sleep and go to bed at a decent time. Do you have strategies that can help people out? Yes. So first of all, I will say I think of it like self-parenting and not self-care. <laughs> I love it. And the reason I point that out is that we want to be like, I'm going to gladly go to bed at nine o'clock. No, you're going to like think it's annoying the way that if you were 12 and your parent was like, go to bed, you'd be like, oh, I hate you. So I think the first step is like, don't expect to love it. Don't expect to feel ready. Don't expect to be excited about it. Like it's going to feel a bit like a chore. That is okay. I will say for everybody, like the thing that has made the most difference to me in getting enough rest is that I do not bring my phone mm, to bed with one. me. That was a practice that I started when I was pregnant. So that was, I got pregnant in 2013. So it's been a wow. long time and I have an alarm clock. I have one of those like wake up alarm clock, but I don't bring my phone to bed with me, which means that I don't look at it right before I fall asleep. And I don't look at it when I wake up in the morning. That is mm, huge. Yeah. I also, we have a rule in our house that like we're up early, like our kids, we have to be out the door at 7.15. Yeah for schools. We have early mornings, but like we don't, TV gets turned off at nine, nine 30 at the very latest. So if it's eight 30 and we want to watch a movie, like we mm. don't, unless it's a weekend. So I watch very little TV and this is something that also has made a really big difference because it means that I miss out on a lot of things that other people are talking about. Like when people are like, have you seen this? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you must. And I'm always like, maybe, but probably not because 
I watch maybe like two hours of TV a week. And for me, that is my active choice so that I can focus on other things. Now, for some people, they love watching TV all the time and they love their shows and that brings them life. That is fantastic. If that is, if that works for you, awesome. But for me, like I know that getting eight to nine hours of sleep a night is really, really important for how my days feel. And so that is my priority. And if that means that I have, I've never watched like Breaking Bad is one that everyone's like, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm literally probably never going to watch it. And I'm totally okay with that. So I often ask people because it's so easy to be driven by FOMO, which is fear of missing out. And what I find time and time again is that fear becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you are driven by a fear of missing out, we end up then missing out on our lives by trying to be all, do all, see it all, take it all in. And so like, instead of being like, what am I missing? I really, really try to bring my gaze to like, where am I right here and what's going on around me? Because that is actually more important. Any acronym that has the word fear in it, I say steer clear from, right? Yes. Yeah. Because what happens, right, and I mean, I could give you 10 different examples of this, right, is that we are afraid of missing out. So then we end up turning our gaze to something else. And then we actually end up missing out on the things that we claim are most important. So one of my favorite questions to ask for this is to have people write down the things, the three things that are the most important to them in their life. And if y'all are listening, go ahead and do that. Take a minute, write it down, jot it down. Don't overthink it, right? And then consider if a hidden camera was or like a camera crew was following you around for the last week and then you replayed the footage would the things that that footage shows as your priorities would it match the three things on your list and I think for a lot of us it wouldn't and that to me is such a big wake-up call of like okay I need the world is not going to change technology is not going to change Instagram is not going to immediately start being like you've had your 15 minutes for the day and now app is being turned off for the next 24 hours. That's not going to happen because they profit off of our attention. So we have to make those changes for ourselves. We have to be intentional about that. And this, all of this, again, goes back to intuition and knowing what is good for you. And if you don't know, learn it. And I like your little exercise, just writing down those few things that are important to you and doing like self checks throughout the week. Like, would my camera crew show what I wanted to show? And if you're answering no, then you probably need to make some changes. Or if you're answering like, oh, (laughs) right, like it can be a hard truth. Because it's like, because I know for me, right, is that what it would show is that I am really devoted to the individual moments of other people's lives. And I'm devoted to like the news, right? And I'm devoted to letting my fear be the boss of me. And like none of those things are on Mm. my list of what's most important. So how do you recommend tackling that? Like if you have an oh moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I, I just didn't think of, I was like this, my life was like this. How do you tackle that without being just totally sunk with disappointment in yourself? I mean, I'm, I really operate everything that I do from a place of deep grace. So I always think it's very, very easy for us to learn something and then be like, oh, if only I was X, Y, Z two years ago. And I don't think that's actually productive at all. I, I don't think that we accomplish anything by beating ourselves up. So the first place I would say is trust that whatever you're learning right now in this moment, maybe even like literally this moment as you hear this, trust that you weren't ready to learn it until now. 
Right. And so that it couldn't be learned until right now, until right in this very moment. And then instead of beating yourself up, which again, doesn't work. And instead of like considering yourself a failure because, oh, I'll just never be able to get over it also doesn't work. The very, very first place to look is like, can you just sit in the discomfort of knowing this? Because often we will learn something or we'll see something or we'll have a revelation. And then we're like, oh, it's uncomfortable. And so we run away from it. And again, also that's not effective. So we're really good at doing things that don't actually work. And, but we spend all of our energy doing them. And then we wonder why we're so tired. There is such power in being able to sit with discomfort. And I have not tapped into this until just the last few years, I would say, but I have on occasion just made myself do it. Like if I'm feeling fearful or afraid or whatever it is, if I literally just stop what I'm doing and make myself sit down and feel it until like I've really experienced it, there is such magic power in that. And I think like you nailed it. You, all of us, we run away from it. We experience something uncomfortable and we're like, see ya, I want to get out of here, grab a glass of wine, start eating, whatever it is for you. There is such bold power in just being able to sit with yourself when it's not comfortable. Yeah. Just stay in the stay room, in stay the in the room. chair. Yes. Like, yeah, I think that, I think that that is honestly the starting place for so many I things. I completely agree with that. It's so simple, like to speak the words, it's such a simple thing, but it's so hard to do. And it's something that is very scary. A lot of people don't Mm -hmm. want to do it. Yeah. And stay in the room with that fear too, right? Like that, I think, you know, it all comes down to, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, here I go. I mean, that's me most (laughs) of the time because the more risks you take and the more success you get, then the farther out your edge goes. And one of my goals I know for myself is like, I always want to be kind of playing at that edge. And then I want to also be living in a way that I'm energetically prepared to play at that edge, which is why it's important for me to get enough sleep and connect with people in deep and meaningful ways and, and, all of that. And I, so last summer I did the, I did like a month long experiment where I tried to become a morning person because waking up has always been really challenging for me. And it, with the kids and my husband's a morning person, like I've always known that my life would be easier if I woke up earlier, like happily woke up earlier. And one of the best pieces of of advice that I got from a friend was don't expect to enjoy waking up, like know that it's going to suck, but it's going to suck either way. And would you rather be awake a little bit earlier and have more time or not and be rushing around frantic? And that was like the best thing that she could have told me because it made me not wait to be excited about doing the thing. It made me just be like, well, it could either suck because I'm grumpy about waking up and I'm late or it could suck because I'm grumpy about being up, but then at least I have more time. And that too, sometimes I think about it with like sending pitch emails or doing things that are uncomfortable is like, well, this is going to be hard either way. Do I want it to be hard right now in the moment or do I want it to be this like slow burn of hard of not being where I want to be in my life? Pick your variety of hard, right? And decide which is better. Yes. Oh, this is such great stuff. I just want to touch on one more thing, Tiffany, before I say goodbye to you. I don't know if we'll be able to do this briefly, but let's try it. Just talking just a tiny bit about 
being vulnerable because being vulnerable is such a huge part of the game as food bloggers. And even just in your session at Tastemaker this year, I heard at least two women say that they were afraid to be vulnerable and that that was like a major fear of theirs. And I know that you, Tiffany, have been very open with your audience about how you've worked through some things that involve vulnerabilities and obstacles in your life and how telling those truths and allowing yourself to be vulnerable has created connection for you. Can you just give us like a really brief summary of that? Yeah. So, you know, vulnerability is like a big buzzword right now. And we all like to be, oh, we want to be vulnerable. And and I actually like to think about it as vulnerability, I think, is really useful and really important. I know for me, like transparency is a really big part of, I think, why I've been able to build success in my business. And also I'm just a terrible liar. So it's easy for me to like, it's easiest for me to show up just fully as who I am. But, you know, when I think about what vulnerability really means is it's just about like telling that quiet truth out loud. And and for some people, right, for me, like when I quit drinking alcohol, like two, almost three years ago, I started talking about it right away. And it was very vulnerable because I was like, maybe nobody's ever going to trust me again if I talk about this. And I found that not only did my business not go away. It actually helped me connect even more deeply with people, but it also gave other people an entrance to talk about anything that maybe they've been saying yes to in their lives that haven't been serving them. And, you know, I think often when we think about the idea of risk and we think about taking risks in our business, again, I think I said this in the beginning, like we think that that means I'm going to pitch a TED talk or I'm going to do this big thing. And, and I think often that risk can actually be like a lot quote unquote smaller and seemingly smaller of like, I'm going to write a really honest blog post and tell people, like you said, like I got super burnt out and I almost quit and I almost just put it all away because I don't, I don't like who I've become in this, or I don't like the things that are motivating me or whatever. And when we do that, it feels really, really scary. But I have found every single time that when I do that and when I show up from a place that is not protected, right, I take off that bravado, that that is where people come out of the woodwork and say like, oh my God, me too. Thank you so much for sharing this. And for me, my motivation is impact and is making people feel less alone in their lives and helping people find that connection to themselves and to the world and to the things that they're spending their time on. And like, if I, if I, if I have experienced something that I can help one person in the world feel less alone by sharing, like that to me, I think is my duty. When we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and open up and share those quiet truths to the world, it can also open up the doors for others to come in. And I actually did yeah. share about the burnout period that I was talking about earlier. That was followed by depression. I had never experienced depression before that moment, but it was horrible. And it was like months of hell. So a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. I wrote a post about this on my blog and it was so scary. I was like, publish, mm -hmm. should I publish? I don't know. But I did. I had so many people reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, I have been there. I haven't been wanting to tell anyone, but I could relate to you. And then like there were a few people who together we brainstormed like ways to kind of pull out of it and things that helped. And I added those to the post. It is so scary to share some things because we just, like you said, we just don't know how people are going to respond. And we think, well, this could tank my business. No one is ever going to come to my site again. 
or whatever the extreme thought is. But in reality, there are most likely people waiting for you to tell that story, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think most likely. I think there definitely are. I've never seen a business tank because somebody showed up and let themselves be seen. Never, never. Not only like what you just described, not only was that great and effective, but like it actually brought, it helped you build community. It brought people together. It helped you compile resources. Like that Mm. is huge. It is. And you going into it, you don't think of it like that. You just think of the fear. I think that's how people tend to think is they get fearful and overwhelmed by it. And then they just shut down. So getting past that is you just have to have faith that there really is goodness and um, there are good things waiting on the other side of fear all the time. All the time. Yes. Oh, I love it, Tiffany. I feel like I could probably talk to you all day, but I should probably let you go, sadly. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, so fun. fun. I really appreciate you being here and just taking the time for this today and for being so willing to share your incredible insights and encouragement to food bloggers. And I know that they are going to be encouraged by your words. So really appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. And if y'all want more, like I do a weekly podcast. So I talk about this is all the stuff that we talk about over there too. So if you, you know, I've got an episode about burnout. I have episodes about social media breaks. My archives. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Go check it out. And before you go, Tiffany, do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with Eat Blog Talk listeners? Yeah, you know, I I like to think a lot about when this is something that is appropriate for food bloggers, but also I think for just all of us in general. I think a lot about Julia Child, how she didn't get into what she was doing until she was in her 40s. And I think sometimes I feel like, again, that whole thing about the weight of our expectations that I feel like. I'm not moving fast enough and I haven't arrived enough and it's all too late. And I then I think about her and I'm like, you know what? This is fine. I am doing fine. I'm doing great. Everything is fantastic. And so I will I will give that to y'all too for just a, a little reminder that like all we have is time. That is the one constant is that time keeps turning. And so you get to do whatever you want with it, but beating yourself up is probably not serving you. So maybe try it a different way. And then you can always go back to the old way (laughs) if you need to. I love that. I like Julia Child. That's very appropriate for food bloggers too. And her story is just so inspiring. Oh, thank you. Tiffany has a list of favorite resources relating to today's topic. And these can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Tiffany Hahn. Tiffany, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. Yeah. So you can find my podcast. It's called Raise Your Hand, Say Yes, wherever you're listening to this podcast, any among all the podcast players, or you can go to tiffanyhahn.com slash podcast. And then I'm over on Instagram at the Tiffany Hahn. And Han is spelled H-A-N. Han Solo. (laughs) Thanks again, Tiffany. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. And I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.